Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Jane Urquhart. Great to uh, see you all in person. Um, okay, we're going to crack on. Uh, there's, a, there's say a lot to get through. There's not a lot to get through in terms of stuff necessarily I'm going to say, but um, God wants to do a work and... Um, download and inspire us and change us. Amen? Um, we're, we're in an incredible, incredible season. And um, uh, just this passion and this love and this acknowledgement of who Jesus is and what he's done, yeah, in our lives, coming out to those around us that need him, yeah? And um, what's amazing about reading Romans 9, 10, and 11 is knowing when Paul wrote these, and we're going to read the first four verses of Romans 10. Dear brothers and sisters, so it starts basically the same as Romans 9, yeah? Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. It's the longing of Paul's heart, it's the longing of God's heart. It's the longing of of our hearts. You know, people that, that have a heart for Israel, there may be different aspects that they get involved in or give to or pray into. But bottom line is, our hearts are for the Jewish people to receive this amazing Messiah that I've received and you've received, amen? That they get saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. And the amazing thing about Paul is, he was, if you remember, Rabbi Saul. He was a Jewish of Jews. He talks about it in Philippians. He was born a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised, religious to the hill, obeyed the law with everything. He was passionate, zealous for God, but it was misdirected zeal to the point of killing believers in Jesus. That's what he did. Killing believers in Jesus, rounding them up. And... Um, But he had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. Amen. He had such an encounter with Jesus that no matter how religious or to the law he was living, he had a power encounter that changed his life, saved his life, because there are amazing things about Judaism. The laws and everything that God gave were for their well-being and for their health and for life and prosperity and for family life. There's life-giving stuff in Judaism, in the law. God gave it to them to preserve them, to keep them set apart from other idols and diseases and everything else. It has life-giving aspects, but it's not life-saving. And when Paul encountered Jesus, he encountered his saviour. Amen. And it's amazing. So he knew what enthusiasm and zeal they have, but it's misdirected. Okay. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. So they had the law, they were trying to obey the law, but they had to have sacrifices where blood, animals were killed, their blood was shed to atone for their sin. And I just want to say that this next uh, 10 days is just a really important date in the Jewish calendar. So God gave them feasts and timetables to come and honour him. And, um, and anybody that was joined to them, not just the Jews, but anybody that was joined to them, 
to come and honor God, go up to Jerusalem. And today is the Feast of Trumpets, uh, Rosh Hashanah. It's the beginning of their new year in Israel. And, um, and they, they sound the trumpets to call the nation to God, to uh, get right with God, repent. The next 10 days are called the 10 days of awe, okay, in Israel. Religious Jews are getting right with God, getting right with one another. And, um, and then that ends on, uh, in 10 days' time, it's called Yom Kippur. And basically, that is the Day of Atonement, where the priest would go in, sacrifice the animals, and uh, not, uh, anoint the animal, as in putting all the sins of the nation of Israel on the animal, slaughter the animal, and the blood would make them clean. That's what they used to do. And we read, Christ has accomplished the purpose for which the law was given as a result all who believe in him are made right with God. Amen. Amen. So this is an important date in their calendar. So pray for them because they're still looking for their salvation. They're still looking for their names to be written in, the, in God's book. Um, but like Paul said, it's misdirected because they need to believe in him. The once for all sacrifice for all people. Yeah, does that make sense? Um, so, uh, I'll just read this bit. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands, but they couldn't live up to it. They would still sin. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go to heaven, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead. In other words, we don't have to go here, we don't have to go there, we don't have to do this, we don't have to do that, we just believe. Amen? We believe that Jesus was the sacrifice once for all. And that blood, as Colin was saying, has done it all. Amen. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, didn't he? Uh, it goes on to say in verse, in verse 8, Moses said this, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that comes from Deuteronomy 30, verse 16. He said to them, love the Lord your God and keep his commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land, they will, and the land. So basically, Moses, they were given the law, they were, um, God gave them the ways that they were to live before him and walk before him as his own special people, like we heard last week. They're called into relationship. They were called to love the Lord their God and keep his commands and decrees. It was believing that God was a good God, yeah. believing that God had good purposes for them, that it was a heart response to them. That's why he said, the message is close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Okay, so let's read um, from verse nine onwards. If you openly declare or confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Do you remember saying that moment? I remember that moment. I got on my knees. That was it. Believed in my heart. He died on the cross for me. God raised him from the dead. He was God. And I was saved. It's, a, it's not just something we say. It's a conviction. It's something we believe. He is Lord. He is God. Everything he accomplished on the cross and in the resurrection is for us. 
For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring or confessing your faith that you are saved. So it is something that we do in front of other people. It's not something we keep to ourselves. We do speak it to others. We do tell them we've got saved and what God has done in our lives. Amen. 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 <laughs> um, as the scriptures tell us, verse 11, anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed or disgraced or ashamed. This is so amazing. Anyone who trusts in him will not be disappointed, disgraced or ashamed. We have this salvation, it is secure. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. So they, have this, they had this relationship with the Lord, but Jesus is the only one that saves them. They have to come to the same acknowledgement of who Jesus is and confess him. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Amen. Isn't it amazing we don't have to work for this? We don't have to sweat blood. He did that in the garden. We don't have to bend over backwards. He's done it all. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say... How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Amen. And we have all been sent. Yes. Thank you, Great Commission, yeah. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We have been given the commission to go and preach the gospel to whoever is around us that needs to hear it. Amen. We've been anointed. We have all authority to baptize, to teach, to lead them to Jesus. And I just love, I mean, a lot's gone on in a week, hey? Was it, was it a week last Monday, the funeral, the Queen's funeral? Uh, the good news of Jesus went out to millions and millions and millions of people. And if you didn't watch the funeral, I would encourage you to watch it. Because the, every word, every song, every scripture, everything that... Um, Justin Welby said, what's the gospel? Yes. Purely, it was all about Jesus. And it went out to the world. Yeah. And it went out to the world leaders who were sitting there listening. Yes. Jew and Gentile, they were in the room. Yes. And I love, you know, Psalm 2, where it talks about the, the earth raging, the nations raging, leaders raging. And then it says, world leaders, kings, submit yourselves before the sun. Submit yourselves before my holy son that I established in Jerusalem. And then it says, kiss him. That's honour him. Honour the son. So guys, we, we can pray, eh? They've heard it. They heard the gospel. And it's praying that they do submit and honour him. It's interesting in Matthew 24 that it says, 
the whole, the, the gospel will go out to the whole world and then the end will come. I'm claiming that these are the days that we're in. The gospel will be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. Guys, these are interesting days that we're in. <laughs> these are exciting days that we're in. And this is the reason it's so important to be doing Romans 9, 10, 11 now while we're doing Jewish Jesus. Because in the last great harvest before Jesus returns, and I believe that's the days that we're in, and many, many Christian leaders do, Jew are going to get saved, Gentile are going to get saved. And they have no excuse. Because they've heard the gospel. We're in those last great days. And... Um, yeah, exciting. And it goes on in verse 16, but not everyone welcomes the good news. Okay? Uh, and verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, that's hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? So I want us to read uh, Isaiah 52. Because this is probably, there are hundreds of, like I said last week, verses that point to the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah coming for his people. And um, this is probably the most famous one, but maybe some of you have not heard this before or not linked it before to it's the prophecy of, of Jesus coming. So we're going to read through this. I think they're on the screen. Isaiah 52 verse 13. We're going to start there. See, so this is called the Lord's suffering servant, okay? See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one could scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told, and they will understand what they had not heard about. Isaiah 53, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? And the Lord says, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence, like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing attracted us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And all of us like sheep have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep are silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. 
He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honours of victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Wow. It couldn't be any clearer, really, could it? <laughs> In hindsight, that is. Let's just pray for a moment. I just acknowledge Jesus, what he's done for you. Lord, these words are so clear. You said that you would come and take the sins of your people and all of us. Thank you, Lord, if there's anybody in the room that hasn't acknowledged who you are, what you've done. Thank you that now that just revelation and you can just turn your heart to him now. You can just thank him and acknowledge what he's done for you. Even if this is the first time, say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came in my place. You had all this done to you. You took all our sin so we can walk free. And I thank you, Jesus, today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Isn't he amazing? Isn't he amazing? It says if you call on him, you'll be saved. And you can thank him that he's taken all your sin, all your shame, washed it, washed it clean. I once had a flight to Israel. I sat next to a woman who so obviously didn't want to be sitting there because she was, as soon as I walked on the plane, she was um, bobbing up and down trying to get bumped up. She was such a funny woman. And um, we talked, we got talking or we talked for a five-hour flight. <laughs> five hours. But it was amazing because we talked about the Lord. She wasn't a believer, Jewish woman. And um, uh, I had my Bible out and I was re just reading different things and I ended up talking, taking her through this, these, these verses, Isaiah 53. She's like, wow, why have I never heard this before? I said, well, you know, rabbis don't read Isaiah 53. It's, it's one passage they won't read. She said, my brother's a rabbi. I'm going to go and ask him about this. I was like, you do that. <laughs> It was so funny, but it was amazing. Anyway, moving on. So they've heard. They've heard. It's in the, it's in the scriptures. God said so many times. Um, and it says, goes on in verse 10. Did they, did they really understand that, Jesus, that the Messiah was coming and that also he was then going to uh, reach out to the Gentiles? And it says, yes. Uh, I will rouse your jealousy through people who, do, who are not a nation. I will provoke you through foolish Gentiles. That's us. It's not that we're first and they're coming in the rear type thing. We're the foolish Gentiles that God turned to because they wouldn't believe. 
Amen. And in Romans 11, okay, we're going there in a few weeks, okay? There's lots in Romans 11. We're going to do it over two weeks because there's so much to bring out. Um, we're called to provoke the Jews to jealousy, to show them how amazing their Messiah is that they want him. Amen. Not reject them, but bring them in. And uh, uh, it says in, so that verse actually, and this is great about Romans 10 because it keeps going back to the Old Testament to what God said and when he said it. Moses said in Deuteronomy 32, 18, God said to the people, you neglected the rock who had fathered you. You forgot the God who'd given you birth. The Lord saw this and drew back, provoked to anger by his own sons and daughters. He said, I will abandon them and then see what becomes of them. For they are a twisted generation, children without integrity. They have roused my jealousy by worshipping things that are not God. They have provoked my anger with their useless idols. Now I will rouse their jealousy through people who are not even a people. I'll provoke their anger through foolish Gentiles. So all the way through their walk with him, he was saying, guys, if you don't, if you turn away from me, I will take this, I will take myself to the Gentiles, to the foolish Gentiles, which is abhorrent to a Jewish person, that God would reach out to evil, idol-worshipping things that we were. <laughs> Amen? Amazing. Romans 20. Um, and later, Isaiah spoke boldly for God. Another prophet declaring what God was going to do. Saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. God's prophets warned them. If they didn't walk with his mercy, he would turn his mercy towards us. So thankful. But regarding Israel, verse 21. God said, all day long I opened up my arms to them. But they were disobedient and rebellious. And his heart is still open to them. His arms are still open to them. And I want Andy to come up, Andy Donaghy, and for him to just share a word that he had, um, as we were praying as a team a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, if Andy reads this, then we're, we'll, we'll pray off the back of this because it's, it's such, such a powerful word of where we're at right now. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. yeah. I just before I start, I don't often have visions other than of my kids trashing the garden. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite significant for me mm. to have this. I saw a wide pathway or road and I was walking along this road with a group of other people. In front of us was a light which made the road in front of us easy to see but also helped with seeing in the distance. As I looked into the distance, I saw other heads peering out from dark alleyways and streets which joined the road. As the group of us got closer to these adjoining streets and alleys, there were people in the, in the group I was walking with that reached out their hands to the people coming from these dark alleys, and we all just welcomed them to join our group. I asked God what was up ahead at the end of the road, and he showed me a magnificent, vast palace with amazing gates. I could only imagine this was heaven. I realised the group I was walking with was the church, and all the people coming from the alleyways and the dark streets were people being saved and joining us. 
The light in front of us was Jesus guiding us and leading us to heaven. The path seemed obvious, but without the light, it would easily just be the same as one of the alleyways. I was just happy to be on the right path and felt good that I had made it and had a distant view of heaven. Although I felt I should help some of those up ahead in the dark places, I equally felt a certain sense of achievement and relief that I wasn't where they were. As I was feeling this, God quickly reminded me that salvation was a process and that I was still on the journey. I had not yet made it to heaven and every step I took on the path was only possible because of the light of Jesus, which made me realise my place, my place on the path had nothing to do with my own efforts or abilities. I was reminded of the scripture, your word is a lamp to my path and a light to my feet. God then showed me that even my efforts in walking along the path made me no more significant than those joining ahead. He showed me how those ahead in the dark alleyways were actually closer to heaven than me and the rest of the group, which I assume was the church. Surely not, I said. Yes, Andy, humble yourself, for salvation is a process and is by no efforts of your own. He reminded me of the story of the workers who all received the same pay no matter how late in the day they started work. The length of your journey along the path determines how long you serve, not how great you are or become. For those you welcome are no less in the kingdom from Mm. the moment they are welcomed. He reminded me of the story of the king who sent out his servants to fetch anybody they could from the streets and showed me how those insignificant people they invited and welcomed became guests at the party, a much more noble position than a servant. He reminded me again with the call to open our doors as a church and as individuals in our lives that the need to to humble myself and not see anybody I reach out to as lesser than me because I already know Jesus but realise I only know Jesus because I have been called to serve on the road. Mm. I should aim to one day make it as a guest, but until then I should humbly serve, simply welcoming others onto the road to heaven. He showed me heaven's gates already open and reminded me of how when we open our doors to our buildings and our lives, we open heaven up and allow the goodness of God and all his riches to flood down mm. into those around us. Yeah, man. He reminded me of the verse, surely I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. I stopped sharing at this point because I, there was more to the vision, but I thought it was insignificant or not as important. Um, and later on in the day, I spoke to Pastor Clive and um, I said, he was talking to me about it, and I said the, there was more to it, um, but I didn't share the rest because the rest didn't seem as important. In hindsight now, I realise how stupid I was um, because of what God revealed through it. Um, and just before I share the rest of it, um, 
just a little background about myself and Claire. Like, we are very for Israel and the Jewish people, um, but not because we know anything about them. The extent of my knowledge on Israel and the Jewish people, as I know that the Jewish people were persecuted by the Nazis, and I know that they're God's chosen people, um, and it says a lot about them in the Bible. But other than that, I, I don't really have a clue, but I'm for Israel and the Jewish people because we are as a church, um, which I realise now isn't good enough. Um, even when there was um, a few, a year or so ago, there was a lot in the news about, um, I can't even pronounce it, anti-Semitism. Yeah, that right? yeah. Um, Me and Claire would often turn to each other when we heard stuff about it and be like, um, do you know what that word means? Do you know what it's about? Um, and both of us were just like, no. But it was a bit like when you've forgotten somebody's name. If you don't say anything the first time, then you feel even more stupid. So you kind of, you kind of just not ignore the fact that you haven't got a clue and carry on with life, hoping mm. that it would never come up. Um, and I'm sure Claire won't mind me saying, it was like that with us and the Jewish people and Israel. And then I'm going to read the second bit of the vision now, which has made me realise I, I need to do something about it. <laughs> Once I'd seen what was happening on the road ahead, I looked behind and I saw a big group of people running to catch up. They were trying so hard, but just never seemed to catch us. And while not in darkness, they didn't have anything like the light that we had on the path in front of us. I asked God to show me where the road came from, and he showed me right back at the beginning what looked just like the tabernacle, and it was clear all these people were coming from there. They were going so much faster than us and knew where they were going, but just didn't seem to be getting anywhere. Then I noticed as I turned around to look, a few other people... Then I noticed, as I turned around to look, a few other people did as well, and suddenly glimmers of light started coming through. God suddenly revealed to me that these were the Jews, and myself and all the other people in the crowd, which I assumed to be the church, were blocking their path. And he made it clear to me that it was their path. I realised that we were just all unaware of them. We were so busy focusing on those that needed welcoming from the darkness up ahead that we, had even, we hadn't even realised there was a whole mass of people behind us and we had hijacked their road. I carried on walking, but then I couldn't help looking over my shoulder it was like we were so eager to get to the destination, we'd left half the family behind. It was clear the only way to help was to stop and move over and recognise that they were there. That would be enough for them to have clear light and to run the journey they were trying to. I just want to pray now because... I didn't realise the importance of this when God gave it to me and I very nearly almost didn't share it with anyone because I completely 
when God first gave it to me, I rejected it as insignificant, which I now realise is what I've done with Israel and the Jews. Um, and I've, I've seen it as enough to just have people around me who, who are for the Jews and actually have an understanding. But, yeah, God's made it so clear to me in this, in this vision that that isn't enough, that actually I need, to, I need to turn around and see them, turn around and looking at our past and the road that I've joined onto is just as important is seeing the road ahead and reaching out to those on the road ahead yeah. of us. And so, Father, I ask for your Jesus. forgiveness for neglecting the Jews and Israel and your word. I ask for your forgiveness for all of those times when I've just skimmed over those bits in the Bible and not really not really bothered to look into them. I ask for your forgiveness for when I've considered it okay because other people in the church are for the Jews and have an understanding, so that's enough. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I ask for your forgiveness for trying to run my own race and picking and choosing what I do of your word. And Lord, I just ask that you would, you would help me and anyone else here feeling the same right now to actually be brave enough and bold enough to, to just confess and say, do you know what? I, I, haven't, I haven't done what is needed. I haven't done what you've asked of me. I haven't, I haven't taken that step to find out about those, those in your family mm. that I've been adopted into. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, to step out and start, start learning. Thank you, Lord. Start talking to others and who who know more and and getting an understanding, so that I don't block their path, so that I don't. I'm not a blockage to the light of Jesus yeah. getting through to the Jews. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus, I thank you above all for your forgiveness. And no matter, no matter what my attitude has been in the past, that you don't hold that against yeah. me, but you give me a Amen. fresh start. Amen. And that you want to pour down into me yeah. abundantly. Yeah your goodness, your, and your heart for the Jewish people, yes, Lord, Jesus. and help me to embrace them in whatever way is needed. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I, thank you, Andy. I just love Andy's honesty. <laughs> it's brilliant thank you and I'm so excited that God gave Andy that when we were meeting uh, you know we meet most mornings of the week praying and um, 
um, as a team. And we know it's God's time, don't we? It is God's time to get his heart and understanding um, as church, as individuals, as the church in the nation, this nation, um, is his time. And I love that. Um, and you may have had, you know, similar download or picture or word or whatever um, from the Lord in this season about just turning and acknowledging that they're there. That, that, that image of he turned and then the light went through. It's just turning and acknowledging. And, um, and they, received the, they received the light. And there's so much in that, in that word. I'd love for us to, maybe we should put it up on the, I think we should put it up on the website for people to have another read and um, people can read outside of here because it's such a powerful, powerful word. So God, so, move, so anyway, next week we're looking at Romans 11 and the first line says, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? No. And you can all say that now. <laughs> no, it says, of course not. Emphatically, no. No matter what they've done, he's reaching out to them now and he's calling them and he's calling them through us. And I encourage you just to join Jewish Jesus Group. We're starting tonight. Um, we've got over 60 people. We can have more. It's just a Zoom call. Your camera will be on. Don't sit there doing something you shouldn't be because everyone's going to see each other. Yes, I've been there, done it. Not myself, I've seen it. Um, but it's going to be great because the, these chapters in the Jewish Jesus are so easy to read, so, so good to understand. And Andy said he read the first, was it the first chapter? The introduction, and it said exactly what you've just shared, yeah. exactly that, and um, and word for word for something that you said, God, God, you read it, and it was like, wow. So he's on a journey. We're all on a journey together. It's not complicated. It's God's time, and it's going to be amazing what we see God do through us. And we're not necessarily talking about you know Jewish people with you know with the big hats and the ringlets and all the rest of it. We don't often see them here in Horsham or Worthing or Burgess Hill, wherever you are today. Jewish people, any one of us who have Jewish roots, family background, you may not know it, you may know it, and you, it's not a part of your cultural identity. You're just a, a person with a Jewish name and family somewhere way back when. Uh, they could walk through our doors, and I love that Andy, you know, is like almost like the doorkeeper of, <laughs> of us as we're opening our doors, our building now in this season, welcoming people, you know, to come in uh, and have a cup of coffee or whatever. Any one of them could be a Jewish person that God is calling home. They don't know it, he may not know it, but his heart and his spirit's going to be tuned in to the fact that God is calling people home. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Seal it in our hearts. Thank you, we're on a journey by your spirit. Not our own trying to understand, but Holy Spirit, it's your time. It's your time. And thank you, it's by your spirit, not by us trying or striving. It's exciting days, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our body and in the church. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.